Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Andrew and Andrew on Texas Criminal Defense. My name is Andrew Harith, and joining me as always is Mr. Andrew Decker. Just moments ago, you were yelling at me saying that, you know, like my person's going to go down and... I just want you to be fully prepared for trial. Uh, we are recording this a bit early than our than our drop date, just because Mr. Decker is once again in a jury trial. We like to kind of play the devil's advocate with each other. Like, have you thought about this? Have you thought about right. that? Right, and it's it's something that's important. And I think that our guest today would say the same thing. That part of what you, part of the reason you, if you're not in a firm, you still have to have some people you can woodshed a case with. As literally as I asked Mr. Harris, he was he was well. Have you thought about? It? And I was like, please, please tell me where my underwear is showing, right? Yeah, it's not. It, Mr. Harris, not trying to hurt me. He's trying to make sure that I've thought about. Can how's that going to go? What's that question going to look like? How am I going to deal with, um, whatever issues coming, especially if somebody else can see it and I haven't. And that, and that, I think, just goes into normal preparation for trial. But I, as our guest, James Martin, will attest to today, nothing can prepare you for, like, every no. everything that happens in trial. No, I mean, there's can't. going to be some unknowns. Um, really excited about this guest. Uh, we met back at the Tim Evans Trial College, and since then, we've just kind of uh, kept in touch and, and seen him in court and followed each other's career. I think I saw him this morning in court. I'm sure you did. He's always in court. Right. James, how are you, man? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you on. This is one of those that's like kind of like every time I see you, you know, I'm like, man, we got to have you on the show. You're just killing it. Um, There's got to be something that we can talk about. And sure enough, you sent us this email that's three different occasions, like something quirky has happened in trial. Uh, And we're like, shoot, do we, you know, do we talk about one? Do we take all three? I mean, I, I don't know, you know. We're well, going to talk let, about one. Let's go with the with the first one. That's yeah, the yeah, one yeah. He wrote the most on. Right. Seems very very interesting. Um. Uh. But first, James, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the law and criminal defense. Let's start with the basic issues. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um. So I'm originally from Arlington, Texas, and I've moved all the way to back to Arlington, Texas. Um. <laughs> I, <laughs> I live here with my uh, wife and now two daughters. Um, Congrats, man. Thank you. Yeah. Um, My youngest was born 11 days ago, if uh, my math is correct. We have three dogs. Um, You don't know how long ago your child was born, and we're talking days, not even full weeks yet? Well, well, to be fair, you know, she is a newborn, and um, sleep is at a premium right now. Yeah, I get that. Okay, all right, all right. (laughs) Continue. Yeah. Um, So in between uh, moving from Arlington back to Arlington, um, I went out to Texas Tech for undergrad, which is where I kind of had my first, um, I guess, law class. Um, My undergrad degree was in petroleum land management, which um, obviously tech uh, is in West Texas, where there's a bunch of oil work. And it's one of the, at least at the time, it was one of the few um, universities that offered the PLM degree, and I had to take oil and gas law and business law as well. And it just kind of stoked the fire for um, the, my love of law. But um, I didn't really decide to go to law school until it, after I took oil and gas law, which was in my senior year. Um, and I didn't really want to start studying for the LSAT. Um, at that point, 
Um, so I started to work in the oil and gas field for a little bit. Um, and at that point, it was 2008, 2009. That's kind of when the oil and gas economy kind of went down. Um, so at that point, I started studying for the LSAT and took it. Um, I went up to Thomas Cooley up in Michigan right for on. law school. Um, you, I'm sure you all know Marcus Olds. He also went there. We were classmates. Mm. Uh, he's um, a fellow Tarrant County attorney. And yeah, yeah. the I guess kind of the reason I got into criminal law is I really didn't know what kind of law I wanted to practice. Just I wanted to be a lawyer. Growing up, my mom always said I like to argue and I would be a good attorney. Um, but during my summer between my 1L and 2L year, I took an internship at the public defender's office in Dallas County. And it just kind of um, kind of lit a passion for uh, the study of criminal law. That wonderful. That is cool. So a uh, couple of questions. One, what high school did you go to in Arlington? Arlington High, you know, first year, best year. All right. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. I just was like, if you went to James Martin high school, <laughs> I was truly going to have to make fun of you with the name. I mean, I know it's a middle different letter in the middle, but yeah. I mean, it would have been, yeah, yeah, it would have been weird. His high school. Yeah. <laughs> no, I went to Lamar. I'm a Lamar guy. No, I'm well, saying he, it would have been his high school. Yeah. He, it would truly he, been yeah, like, yeah, it's my school. Right. Yeah. yeah. I certainly got it uh, enough growing up, but I'll make sure that my wife knows that uh, you went to Lamar, Andrew, because that's her alma mater as well. Yeah, that's good. It's good. Lance Evans went to Lamar as well. It's where winners go. Evidently. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry. I just I, I digress. I'm you know, that's my job. So yeah. um just a little bit more about your history. So you you came back, you know, this the law is kind of sounds like maybe a second career, even though you're a young guy. Uh -huh. Um since you've kind of like switched from you know, the being a landman to, to now defense. Petroleum landman. That's true. Okay. Um, <laughs> apologies, Mr. Decker. Um, <laughs> uh, tell us about your legal career. You know, you, you, you went to law school, graduated, came back home, you're licensed. Now you're into, into criminal defense. Tell us about like, you know, where you've been, like your experience as a defense attorney. Yeah, sure. So um, I've been licensed for a couple of months over 10 years, um, but I haven't been practicing criminal defense that entire time. Um, when I first you know, graduated, it was uh, maybe it's just me, but um, I didn't get a job right away. Um, yeah, so I was, kind of bouncing, yeah. Yeah, I was bouncing off between, you know, different careers. I you know, did a couple of more stints with oil and gas um, landman work. Um, also did some doc review for doc review companies. Um, eventually, I was able to land a job with uh, DPS as an ALR attorney, which I guess was my first foray as a in the legal profession with criminal law. I know that you know DPS ALR hearings are civil in nature, but it, you're mostly dealing with DWI arrest mm -hmm. and DWI proceedings. So that's um, was kind of really my first legal job in the. Um, after law school. And then I was there for about two and a half years. And then I saw a job posting on, um, I believe it was LinkedIn, uh, for Dunham & Jones, which is, uh, they have offices all around the state. It's uh, a larger criminal defense firm in Texas. And they were looking for a new attorney. And I decided to apply. And they hired me. 
Um, one, one of my caveats of joining was I don't want to do any more ALRs and they were fine with that. Nice. Um, and I've been doing uh, criminal defense for a little over five years. Wonderful. And now you are embarking out on your own, uh, Yes. hanging your own shingle. That's an exciting, got a brand new baby and you're going to be in charge of your own income. Are you kind of terrified? Surprisingly, I'm not. Um, Nice. Good. I've, um, you know, I've talked to a bunch of different people. Um, at the courthouse. That's one of the nice things about the defense bar in uh, Tarrant County is everyone's super supportive um, and they've just given me great advice and a lot of encouragement. Um, and so I, maybe it's, I'm going in with blinders on, but I'm, I, I feel pretty confident about the next um, adventure of my life. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Good Hey, for you. and one more thing before we get into the substantive part of the podcast, you know, you and I met at the Tim Evans trial college. Tell us about your experience there and let's just give a little plug to TCDLA since we love them so much. Yeah. So when I went to the, the trial college, I had never done a trial before. Um, and it was, I know y'all have talked about it on the podcast before, but it's basically, you know, running down um, an entire trial. And when I went there, I was pretty nervous because I, I'm pretty sure I was the only one who went that year that didn't have any trial experience. Maybe there was one or two other people, um, but like I really hadn't been in a courtroom before. Um, but going to the trial college just gave me a ton of confidence. Um, and again, just encouragement from other attorneys all across the state. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. All right. So, so you've had, you know, I mean, you, you've been a, 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 on the defense side, at least for what, five years, you said. Yes. And in that time, I mean, you've had some pretty remarkable, uh, experiences or at least war stories and we like to avoid, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about war stories, but we kind of like to have a little bit more substantive discussion. You sent us three paragraphs, three little, um, stories about quirky things that happened in trial. We're going to talk about the first one and we're going to let you like kind of set it up. It's continuous family violence. Um, and, uh, and specifically want to talk about a motion to quash that you filed in that case. So, so kind of get started. Tell us a little bit about this, about the case, you know, obviously no defense defendants names or anything, but, um, just kind of set the scene for us, if you will. Sure. So this was um, the trial happened last February, um, and I, if I'm remembering correctly, I think the um, event, the what was alleged to have happened happened in twenty the end of twenty twenty. Um, so our client um, was dating this a girlfriend for you know the better part of twenty twenty. Um, 2021, I, I think I have the dates a little off, but it's somewhere around that area. And he had, um, the, everything's going great um, for, you know, the first part of the relationship, like, you know, the how it normally goes in these kind of cases. Eventually, um, you know, things start to go kind of, you know, sour. And it's around her birthday where she um, uh, makes an outcry that he's been abusing her. And kind of the gravamen of the, you know, main offense is they are out for her birthday one, um, one night um, and they're, you know, in Dallas, they go to a nice dinner. Then they um, go to Fort Worth to, you know, kind of party on 7th Street. And what she alleged was, um, you know, our guy got upset that they had to leave early 
and she um they get in the car and basically he um like grabs her by the head and bangs her head against the windshield a bunch of times then they drive home to his house where his he lives with his mom um they get into the garage he grabs her by the hair pulls her out of the car um and you know starts to choke her um and then he like waterboards her to wake her up and then they um get back in the car and go to a hotel like they had planned to um then there's several other instances where she kind of claims the same thing about him basically hitting her head against the um car windshield um in other choking instances in the car so it's um, so healthy relationship exactly yeah the kind of um the kind of relationship you want to be in right right so um yeah. orig originally the state had indicted him for continuous family violence which is um you know two or more instances of family violence um over the course of 12 months and then right. one count of um choking which would have been the night of her birthday. Um, the One of the interesting things about this case was one of the nights that they alleged was actually happened at Frisco, which I know doesn't really make a difference for continuous family violence, but it does make a difference for um, just your run-of-the-mill um, assault and pee and breath. Um, so, you know, we're, the, our guy says he didn't do anything um, and he's completely innocent of all the charges. So we, right. he doesn't want to take anything regardless of, you know, what they're willing to offer. And the entire time the state's offer was nothing that he would have wanted to take anyway. It was always TDT time. Um, so he, um, we eventually set up for trial. And um, right before trial, as what typically happens in these kind of cases um, and other assaultive types of cases, they, you know, talk to their complaining witness and the indictment, you know, balloons to, you know, seven counts. Oh, okay. Wait a second. <laughs> so from two counts and then they add, did they amend the indictment? Did, was he just, you know, tell us about that. Like what, what happened there? Yeah. I, I, I heard, you know, like two nights worth yeah. and suddenly we're at seven counts. So they re-indicted him. Um, I, from what I can take from them talking to, from talking to the um, assistant district attorney who now practices insurance defense, um, that she alleges basically a whole bunch of other um, times where he choked her, hit her, um, and did other things that are illegal in the state of Texas um, that she did not say to the police officer that uh, day where they met. Huh. Okay. And were you given the like requisite amount of time prior to trial to prepare yes. for the new indictment? Okay. All okay. Right. Yeah. So we did have plenty of time. There, there wasn't the 10 day issue. Okay. Uh, I think, you know, part of the issue was, you know, we, in this case, we had to keep pushing it back for, you know, several different reasons um, out of the complaint witness lived in a different city. Um, and then there were some other scheduling conflicts. So that was never an issue. Um, I've had that issue in another case, um, but not in this case. Okay. So you get to trial, you're now dealing with a seven count indictment. You, the, the, something gets interesting. You file a motion to quash right on double jeopardy grounds. Yeah. So one or so I guess first. Two, uh, can I ask you a real quick yeah. question? 
Um, and some of our, you know, we do have some law students who listen to the show. It's not, you know, we may have some lay people out there. We say motion to quash. What do you, can you explain that to us? What, what the heck does that mean? So, um, <laughs> y'all probably can explain it better than me, but basically, um, you know, no, I doubt the- that very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've never claimed to be the smartest attorney, just um we're asking the judge i the way that i understand it is to like set aside the indictment or counts in the indictment saying yes. that you know they're exactly right yeah that there's something wrong with the indictment yeah. um i filed yeah. one because it was untime i filed a couple of because they were actually untimely um one because there were other problems with it so yeah good yeah. for you lack of specificity mm-hmm. any any kind of defect in the indictment needs to be quashed so that the state can either fix it or abandon it. Yeah. Okay. So, so what I think I know what the state was trying to do with their indictment, but it's just not clear on the face of their indictment. So two of their counts are basically alleging um, assault impeding breath on the same night. Um, if you look at kind of the notes that she tells the prosecutor, um, everything that happens on the night of her birthday um, she at one point she says, um, you know, she's you know st- strangled at in the car in Seventh Street, and then she tells the prosecutor that she's strangled um, at the house, which is the same night. So you know you can kind of if you know what is in that conversation, you can kind of tell what what they're trying to get at with their indictment. Um, but just looking at the face of the indictment, you definitely can't tell that. It looks like they're just trying to get them for one specific act on the same night, twice. Yeah, it looks it, the way the indictment read was probably we're just going to use you know uh, January the first, twenty twenty four. Defendant uh, did impede the breath of IP, and on January the first, twenty twenty four, defendant did impede the breath of. IP. Exactly. Right. I mean, it's, it reads in the indictment. What am I, def- um, looks like I'm the defending the same thing twice. It's a scattershot. Yeah. For, from the state. I mean, you're, you're trying, they're trying to just, you know, kind of shoot birdshot at this, uh, at, at what happened just to see what it's going to hit. Right. Where if they might've maybe, right. Occasionally we have some prosecutors listen. Maybe if they <laughs> would allege on that one, the honor about would be very important. So honor about January the 1st at 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. And then honor about January the 1st at 11.30 p.m. That might not have been a double jeopardy issue because that would have been actually, you could say they were two different events and you could be found guilty in one and not guilty in the other. That would have been more specific. And right. I, probably, yeah. I, I probably still would have made an argument. Uh, yeah, sure. It, but if I were a judge, I'd be like, nope, those are two yeah. different events. So. So James, the um, okay. So we asked what what the motion to the motion to quash meant. Tell us, tell us what what the heck is double jeopardy, man? Bring us back to law school. <laughs> um, so I mean, double jeopardy is um, basically being put in um, the, yeah, in in like yeah, legal yeah. legal yeah. Strife, legal right? jeopardy. I, the words I'm trying jeopardy. to use. <laughs> <laughs> Try not to use Jeopardy to define Jeopardy, but well, um, and to be clear, man, we're not legal scholars, yeah. and I don't think any listen to this show, so we don't, you know, just like yeah, so that so somebody's put in, you know, Jeopardy in legal strife yeah. in in yeah. in the in the crosshairs of the state. 
Yeah, that, that's what I was about to say, like the line of fire, you know, more than once. So um, you're that's, you know, unconstitutional to, you know, require someone to, I mean, basically defend themselves twice against the same allegation. Ooh, there, okay. that was a good definition. That was, that I'd was give great. You that, I'd give you an A minus on a final on that. So, so, um, okay. So basically means on the same allegation, which is, you know, you had two of these paragraphs stating almost essentially the same thing. Yes. Or, or or the same thing. Yes. Okay. And so you filed your 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 motion to quash on double jeopardy grounds. That uh, did you get to a hearing on that? Uh, we actually did not. We you know filed it. We had all of our pretrial motions. We argued a bunch, but the state actually just abandoned the count. Um, I he, the prosecutor who eventually tried it was not the one who reindicted it. So either he didn't want to bother with arguing that it was fine or he agreed with me that it was a double jeopardy issue you know i gotta say when i was a prosecutor um because i think i'm the only one in the on this show right now that's been a prosecutor right yeah you dirty um, man i i i would have like there was this i remember this one instance with this uh i know i feel i feel weird about that um anyways i had this one defense attorney come up and was like hey this is i, I have a question of like you know um uh, uh, of a, of original argument essentially right it's like he's never seen anything about like like this before he's like i can't find any case law on this particular thing and i'm like well my name's not going to be in a freaking appeal that gets bounced back so dismissed <laughs> <laughs> and that's all it took that's all that's all it took. so you, you mentioned that one of these events took place in frisco right and on the continuous family violence so one of the tricks, right? Let, let's let's teach a little trick to the to our listeners, um, and I'm sure James knows this. Mister Harris probably doesn't. No, it school me, please. Right. So you go out to Frisco, you plead on the misdemeanor violence out there, and then it can't be continuous here because then you would be in double jeopardy on the. So you would have two misdemeanors, not uh, a felony. So right, but in this, I don't think Frisco yeah. was involved, right? They just they had this right. I'm, word. I'm like, just saying, like if, right? He mentioned Frisco. So essentially, what Mr. Decker is saying is he's dumb, and that was a stupid comment for everybody. Well, right. they never, they did never, they never filed on him. But also knowing my client, I don't know if he would have uh, pled like guilty to even a misdemeanor. Yeah, uh, in Frisco. So sure, but it was a, a good thought. I, I've I've done it. And the prosecutor in Tarrant County went, actually looked at me and she goes, well done, Mr. Decker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's nice. De Decker and I get catty with each other on a Friday afternoon when we're recording. You ought to see us when we're not recording. Yeah, that's that's it. Well, yeah, and as James is logging into the call, you and I are like arguing and yelling at each other back and forth. Um, <laughs> he's like, what is happening? Um, okay. So this, that, so that is, that's very interesting. That's like the substantive part of this, uh, uh, you know, of this show that we want to talk about is, you know, if you're looking at like, the, we've said it on the show, how many times, Andrew, it, in preparation for trial, don't lose sight of the forest for the trees. Look at your charging document, read the indictment. They are often wrong, or they're going to tell you exactly what you got to have. And this is part of what Mr. Harris and I were talking about a few minutes ago, possession of a controlled substance. Right. He's not owning a controlled substance, which is often what our clients say. Oh, why yeah. did, it's not mine. It's I, not didn't, mine. I didn't own that. It's also not just randomly being near it. Sure. They have to knowingly and intentionally possess. 
And in the case that Mr. Harris and I were talking about that I'm going to trial, that is going to be important. This is, did she knowingly possess or was it yeah, in the car? Be because proven of, that she knew that it, that the, so you have to know your charging indictment and obvious or charging instrument. And obviously Mr. Martin read his, read his indictment, saw an error and got one of seven removed. And then what happened on the other? Because this is, this gets interesting. It too. does get, Normally, I don't it does like, get interesting. Right? I want to know the, you know, what happened next. So, yeah, and just kind of back to what y'all were talking about is um, I think I already knew it, but this case really kind of taught me to not just file boilerplate motions and just kind of like really think about each individual issue in your case and to make sure that you are um, litigating everything that you can be litigating. Uh, but, especially but James, that sounds like preparation and work. I think that's why we pay where you get paid the medium bucks, Andrew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to earn that money. You got to earn the that medium bucks. The that medium bucks. Answer. Yes, exactly right. Uh, yeah. I mean, that, that this is, this is, you're exactly right. Don't, don't do the boilerplate. I mean, we all have our boilerplate like requests for discovery, but when it comes time for trial motions, really, you know, really parse through those. Good job, man. But um, so the trial, I mean, the state's first, um, their case in chief, I mean, it went pretty similar to how you would expect a felony uh, family violence case to go. You know, they called the responding police officer. They called the detective. Um, they called the complaint witness. Um, they called their safe haven expert and they called their strangulation expert. Um, thankfully, we were able to keep out some stuff, you know, pre-trial. Um, but that they normally get into about, you know, risk of future dangerousness um, with regards to family violence and strangulation. Um, and at that point, you know, we actually had witnesses. I know a lot of times in these kind of cases or any kind of case, the defense doesn't have witnesses. Um, so we are able to call our witnesses um, and the state didn't like that. So they had a rebuttal case. Um, and then after they rested, we were about to call defense rebuttal, which I think is even more rare. Um, but at that point, um, they, they decided to, or the judge decided to appoint our witness, um, counsel, um, because she had previously made a statement to uh, the district attorney's office and she decided not to testify because she didn't want to risk being charged for perjury either when during trial or back when she made a statement under oath several years ago. Right. Um, so, <laughs> so that, that alone, that, I mean, that process alone must've taken quite a bit of time, right. To, to have the judge uh, make the determination to appoint counsel because of this prior testimony or statement given, and then deciding if she's, you know, have that appointed counsel present to advise her and, you know what I mean? Like how much, how much time did that take actually in trial? I believe it was basically the entire morning. So yeah. we, we have, we were ready to call her. Um, the prosecutor stands up and says, I think we need to appoint her counsel. Um, so the judge has to go find someone who's you know qualified to be her appointed counsel and basically close enough to do it right now. Yeah. yeah. Thankfully. Yeah. yeah. I mean, thankfully it was, you know, a morning. And so there's a bunch of attorneys doing docket. Um, right. So the attorney who was appointed was able to come up, but he obviously knows nothing about the case. He doesn't know, right. you know 
what's going on in the case. So the state has to open up, you know, a bunch of files to him. You know, they have to give their side. We have to, you know, talk to, you know, the her counsel. Um, and he has to, you know, make sure that he is giving appropriate advice so he's not opening himself up to, you know, legal issues in the future. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it took, you know, I, if I'm remembering correctly, it took pretty much the entire morning. Yeah, that sounds like a huge headache. And All right. The jury loves just sitting in the jury room for yeah. three hours. Right. Yeah, because they're just they're just back in the jury room the whole time, right? Yeah. And they don't yeah, they don't know why. Um, you know, it's yeah. not like the judge is telling them, you know, we have to sit here because um we have to appoint a, the defense witness counsel. So it's yeah. just please to the back and you know, play on your phone or talk to each other. God, that'd be terrible, wouldn't it? <laughs> Anyways, she elects not to testify. So fine. So 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 you both rest. So okay. your witness goes. I, I think don't know. I think that's not a smart. I'd rather not. <laughs> no. All right. So what? So uh, both sides rest and close Friday morning. So like the end of the week. I mean, this trial has gone on all week long. Mm-hmm. Um, um, believe we did board art on Tuesday. Okay. If I remember right because the quarter was in normally picks on Tuesday. So that's for it was, but I mean, it's still, you know, four days of, you know, a trial. It's still pretty long in a case that theoretically could be done in a day or day and a half. Right. Uh, so yeah, both sides rest and close. And then um, we are basically just waiting around, um, you know, the fun waiting game that we have to do whenever we're waiting for a verdict. Um, and then the, we eventually get a note saying that the jury's deadlocked. Um, and at the judge eventually gives them an hour in charge. And yeah. then it's getting kind of close to five o'clock on Friday. So, I mean, you know what that means. It's either they're going to yeah. make up their mind or, you know, the judge is going to make up the decision one way or the other. Can we, can we go back real quick though? Cause we, we just kind of passed over the Allen charge was given, um, you know, again, for me and others who don't know, no, I'm just kidding. What, what, uh, explain just in your own words an Allen charge. So, I mean, I like to use the word dynamite cause that's what everyone else uses and it just yep. kind of sounds cool. Um, but basically it's, you know, make some, whoever is on one side or versus the other, you know, don't violate your conscience, but, you know, try and consider the other side. Um, and you know, it's kind of like an urging to maybe reconsider your position. Um, so the case can be resolved and not have to be tried again. Yeah. Come to a consensus, right? So, so something to put in your trial notebook, the Allen charge from the fifth circuit, the one they've approved is a little less dynamite-ish than the one that's generally used in Texas courts. So if you ever have an Allen charge, pull it out and go, this is the one that's recommended by the fifth circuit, right? Tech score doesn't have to use it, but it does do the whole, both shot, both sides should uh, seriously consider why the other side is taking their position. Right. And I don't think it has the words. I can't remember. I don't think it has the words where it says, and if you don't make a decision, another jury is going to have to do it for you. Mm -hmm. Right. Because that also, I think, makes people go, well, damn, I, I don't want somebody else to have to go through this. That, you- because that shouldn't be on the jury's mind. That's not 
That's you, not them voting their conscience. That's them avoiding someone else having to make a decision. You think we can get a copy of that and put it on the like a link to the show notes? I have it somewhere. Okay. Well, if it's not in the show notes, ladies and gentlemen, just blame Decker. I don't know where the show notes are anyway. Okay. Well, damn it. Um, all right. I found the show notes on a different podcast the other day. I want you to know I was very happy with myself. <laughs> we, we have show notes, man. We have show notes. Okay. So five on a Friday, they get the Allen charge. They're still deadlocked. Judge says, come back on Monday, right? Yes, but there was a note saying that oh. while we're still deadlocked, one of the juries says that they don't want to come back. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which um, I've never had happen before. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. Well, I'm, I'm sure all 12 of them felt that way. Um, but, you know, the judge um, said, okay. And she appointed the alternate to take over for said juror. Um, and told that alternate to come back and you know be an actual you know participating member of the jury panel, which is also rare. I yeah. mean, just because the jury, I mean, like, did they give a reason why? I mean, you know, not. I don't want to like bust their personal stuff. I've never had an alternate appointed just because somebody is like, hey, I I really don't want to come back on Monday. Yeah, I don't remember them. I couldn't remember if it was because they felt like. They didn't, they had plans or if it was, they just felt like they couldn't come to an agreement. Um, Interesting. I, I honest, yeah. Um, we were, you know, trying to do case law research and no one was able to find anything, you know, conclusive whether or not like that was a good enough reason to appoint an alternate. That's, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Wow. All right. But if anybody would know that it was possible, Justice Gabriel would. Yeah. <laughs> right. And we, we're not talking about a newbie judge. We're talking about someone who sat on the on the fourth court of appeals. Yeah, we 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 um we passed that up to um you were gonna have a visiting judge in this court, or you did have a visiting judge in this court. Who was Justice Gabriel, who uh was a district court judge in Denton, then sat on the court of appeals, taught at AM Law School, and she She's highly respected. So yep. if she says it, you kind of go, okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. I actually, Sorry, James. No, it's okay. I, and this isn't just, you know, maybe it gets back to Justice Gabriel, but I, I thought she was incredibly fair during that trial. And I think that we were actually kind of lucked out to have her during this trial because you know, a lot of the rulings that she made were um, very, you know, favorable for the defense. Uh, I'm not saying that the sitting district judge of you know the court we were in would have made the same rulings, um, but yeah. I yeah I thought it was you know we she did a, a great job in that trial, um, so yeah we you know come back on Monday and we um, the jury deliberates for another couple hours, it's kind of the same issue they say we're deadlocked on the first three counts but we have verdicts on the last three counts. Okay, what uh so what happens? So um, we asked for a mistrial on the deadlock counts because we made the argument kind of like we did on Friday. Um, they're deadlocked. They've been deliberating enough. Um, and, you know, we feel like they don't need to keep arguing. Um, say it opposes. Um, but Judge Justice Gabriel grants our motion for mistrial on the first three counts. And then uh, the jury renders a verdict on the last three counts. In that verdict, not guilty. Win F and G, buddy. That is a huge win. So your client started trial with seven counts, 
a fair, a pretty serious, uh, pretty serious. You no, know, seven's a magic number. Okay, is there a story there? No, it's it's true. It's like oh. one of the the mythical magic numbers. I I did not know that. Well, now you know. Uh, seven counts. You get one taken care of prior to trial. Bam. Already gone. Three mistrials, which, okay, you're going to have to come back on those. But three, three not, not guilty. guilties. That's that's impressive. That is impressive, my friend. So well all done. the ones that then get hung. So, so you've wiped out four of seven, which automatically most of us would consider a win, right? So yes. what happens with the remaining three? So, you know, obviously we asked the state to dismiss the remaining three because, you know, we go back and we talked to the jury for a while um, and you know, we were kind of lucky they had the, you know, kind of the tally board on um, when they were taking you know, their counts. So we could actually see, you know, how they were um, split. Oh, uh, we don't always get that info. Yeah, That's it's great. Um, so on counts two and three, um, which were also impeding breath counts, they were um, one, only one person thought that he was guilty on those. Um, and they were a little more split on the continuous family violence counts. Oh, count, but um, it was still more in favor of not guilty. And the, state, and the state, did they dismiss it? They did not, unfortunately, um, because during the course of their investigation for um, the trial, it came out that um, our client um, may or may not have done some other things that the statute of limitations had not run. Um, and I think that because, and it was, it's a new, it was a new administration at that point. I don't yeah. think they were quite willing to um, dismiss someone who, you know, they were definitely not probation eligible from a jury. Um, and to be fair, my guy did have a lot of history. Um, he would have been taking some risk going again. Um, so he ended up just playing to two deferred on a third degree waiving the enhancement. What was your actual so, offer? Yeah. So, so first of all, even more impressive that you did this with someone who had history. Yes. Because agreed. as much as you try to keep it out and, and if you kept it all out, great, 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 great. Those pretrial motions really worked, but sometimes just some of it slips in. I mean, it, you know, you ask the wrong question, and they go, well, on his previous, and you go, oh, crap, right? I mean, right. you open the door without meaning to. So I think to defer on somebody that had histories. That's a, uh, I'm that's gonna say a that's huge win. Damn impressive. That's a huge win, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, we were happy with the outcome, and, you know, we encouraged him to take the offer because, I mean, who knows what happens at a, a retrial. Um, you get, you know, 12 different people in that box. Um, and the state, you know, knows how to prepare for our attacks as well. So, right. Um, well, and especially if they then add this other thing that they're, they just did, I'm assuming the other threatened case went away. It, to my knowledge, has never been indicted. Um, so I, I yeah. imagine sometimes that, that too, that, mm -hmm. that too becomes a, um, well, a stick, right? A stick and a carrot. So, mm -hmm. yep. Well, good for you.
That's wonderful. Yeah, I, that's a heck of I've a had trot, fun. Man. I've had fun listening to James talk. I, yeah. I see have... him in the courthouse. Now I'm going to have to like start high-fiving him and kind of <laughs> standing next to him. Yeah, so I'm telling you, good. man, he's a killer. He's a killer. Um, you know, the, 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 you did have two other ones that sound like really uh, interesting as well. We are definitely going to bring you back on the show just to give those the time uh, that they really deserve. Just some really interesting. Well, maybe he can co-host one time when one of us can't be here. Oh yeah. Perfect. Yeah. See yes. I love that. Me too. That sounds great, man. Uh, yeah. We just gave him a job that he's like, wait a second. I don't want that shit. Uh, what are you guys talking about? Um, James, you know, for, uh, thank you so much, man. You, you, you really, uh, fought for your client. It paid off. He walked out of there, walked in there with seven counts, serious felonies and walked out with no convictions two deferred, no convictions. So long as he successfully completes that program, and uh and well done man well now you got some great stories for us yeah Thank right you. um but we always ask before we end the show we always ask our guests a couple of questions just to kind of get to know you better as a person not as a as an attorney um and so the first one is what's your what's your favorite musical artist or band or or whatever you're listening to these days so growing up um uh, i was you know kind of in the 90s country so um you know probably my all-time favorite artist is Garth Brooks. Um, uh, but, yeah. you know, my my musical taste has, you know, kind of changed as, you know, it happens for a lot of people. Um, at Tech, I took a history of rock and roll class. So I got really more into the rock and roll. And my college roommate was a big Led Zeppelin fan. So, you know, Led Zeppelin is probably, you know, also someone I would say is my, um, you know, favorite band as well. But if you were to look at my um, presets on my car, I mean, it has everything. It has rap, has country, rock. I mean, Disney hits. I mean, I have two girls, so. Yeah, um, right yeah you do. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's really everything. So as long as it's good, I'm not going to you know, turn it off. Yeah having, yeah. having kids, there was a, there, there's probably a, you know, my kids are now grown, but there's like a, somewhere around a seven to 12 year window where I can tell you every animated movie that was out and seeing half the songs are in them and maybe give you most of the dialogue. Couldn't tell you anything else that showed up on the movies, not a single thing. So you look for, look forward to it. It's going to be fun. Yeah. And mine were boys. So I didn't have to do all the princess ones. <laughs> all right. So uh, what is a book? What's your favorite book or something you would recommend we read? So um, this, this, one of my goals this year was to actually kind of be a better reader. Um, I mean, I know how to read, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of my friends at church, um, he is the co-founder of kind of like a reading challenge um, where you are supposed to read 25 books in a um, the given year. So, I, you know, first I want to give a shout out to that. Um wow. I would um, have to read shorter books. Yeah, but to say yeah. that's a that's a heck of a challenge. I, I think some of them can are children's books, so I, I'll be covered there. Um, but um, the genre that I usually go to is kind of like the nonfiction and self help kind of books. Um, I know you know I've heard you on the podcast talk about uh, the Miracle Morning before Andrew. Um, I read that last yeah. month, and you know. Right now, it's kind of difficult to um, implement it when you're up feeding um, a newborn, sure. but um, I, I think that it's a routine I'm going to start um, 
implementing. And then like, I'll just give a shout out to the Harry Potter series. I didn't read it when I was a kid, like most people my age. I started reading it um, basically to appease my wife, who's a huge Harry Potter fan. Um, but like sometimes when people say something's really good, it really is really good. And that's a really good series. <laughs> I, I have that I have that problem too where like I tend to avoid like the the super popular in pop culture at the time, you know? Yeah. Like I did it with Game of Thrones also and just got totally wrapped up in that series. Still haven't seen Game of Thrones. The movie that I've never seen that everyone's like, really have you never I've never seen the original Top Gun. And okay. I was in high school when it's it came out. Yeah, it's okay. Right. Uh, I mean, I okay. everyone saw it. I mean, it's it's part of Americana, but you know, it, it, but the the new movie Top Gun, I think, is probably one of the best movies I've ever. Seen. I've actually seen it. Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I I do that too, and I uh, I did it with Harry Potter. I, I did it with the Game of Thrones and the Fire and Ice series. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is. I just like I like roll my eyes at what is popular in the moment. You know? Andy's a crotchety old man. I am. So, seriously. what's the best piece of advice you would give Andy on like? Well, you know, life. He, <laughs> life. help me, help me, please. Personal or professional, James, what's the best piece of advice you've been given? Because Andy probably needs it. Yeah, I'm writing this, this actually, down. Uh, yeah, this actually ties into what you just said. And it's, you know, uh, I got it from Theo Pugh when I was at the public defender's office. And he, you know, told me one of the first days I worked there that uh, you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. Um, and I just really kind of taken that to heart, especially like in the business that we do. Um, we have to talk to court coordinators, bailiffs, court staff all the time. Um, I mean, prosecutors as well. I think that if you have a more cheerful disposition and are nicer to people, um, you're probably more inclined to get something that you want or need than if you're just kind of a jerk to people. Absolutely. Huh? That's so true. <laughs> I, 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 I try to, I, I have tried to change my perspective into like more killing them with kindness than like overwhelming them with the breadth of my, you know, vast knowledge or, you know, I mean, that's, that's not the, the, the kindness part is actually going to get me what I want, you know, quicker. And I'm not an asshole about it. Right. I mean, that that's good. That's good stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's not always easy. So if I'm a jerk to someone at court, it's, you know, they caught me on the wrong day. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I actually, uh, Mr. Harris heard me call a prosecutor um, in front of them, uh, I think an asshole mm -hmm. or something. Yeah. And they were fairly offended and um, probably reasonably so. But Mr. Harris would know that I wouldn't call someone that if I really thought that of them. And so later I went back to them and said, look, I, I know you're a good attorney. I don't really think that. And I apologize for saying it. Right. Yeah. You know, but you end up having to go and eat some crow instead of just, you know, shouldn't have, shouldn't have said anything. Yeah. And, and oftentimes too, I mean, I think that what, you know, your, your piece of advice, James, the best way to serve our clients. You right. Know? Wait, we're supposed to serve. Yes. I'm yes, learning so is, much today. This amazing. is a customer service business, man. I'm learning we, so we much. Are, See, we need, yeah, we're customer facing. We're in sales. We're we're in be nice. Yes. Work for yes. your client. Yes. Don't be an asshole. Prepare your cases for trial. Prepare for trial. <laughs> wait, I'm wait, I'm I'm working on that right now. This show, this show has everything. Good. James, thank you so much. Uh if if now now that you're especially as you're going out on your own, if a listener needs to find you, because Harith and I aren't going to do them any good, how would they find you? How could they get a hold of you? 
Um, I'm on all the socials at JTM underscore law. You can also email me at james at jamestmartinlaw.com. Excellent. We'll put those in. Andy will put those in the show notes. Show notes. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen. All right. So for, uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, on Facebook. Uh, We're running a little long, so I'm not going to go any farther than that. Tell a friend, tell someone you know and love about this great podcast that Andrew and I put together every couple of weeks. For Mr. Decker, my name is Andrew Harris. And for Mr. Harris, I'm Mr. Decker. Y'all be good.